John chapter 12. John chapter 12, we are going to be going there in just a few moments. I've not had the opportunity to greet everyone this morning, but I want to greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are a visitor with us this morning, you are our honored guest, and we want you to join in with us as we worship the Lord. Our worship services always revolve around singing praise unto God. We want to worship Him for who He truly is. But then it also comes to a time where we surround ourselves around the Word of God. We come together as God's church, pleading and desiring to hear from Him this morning. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 12, we're going to be picking up in our Sunday morning sermon series that we have entitled, Getting to Know Jesus Christ, Believe and Live. That was John's desire for his readers. He wanted them to understand who Jesus Christ was, and as a result of coming to know and understand who Christ was, that they would place their faith in Christ and that they would experience life to the fullest. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, that means at some point in time you've understood that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and you have turned away from a life of sin and you have turned to Jesus Christ in faith. I want you to hear me say this today. You have life to the fullest right now. If you're not experiencing that, it's not because of Jesus. And it's not because of the fact that Jesus hasn't given you life to the fullest. It's because something is wrong in your relationship with the Lord. And I hope before this service is over that you will once again experience life to the fullest, abundant life. Sometimes we think in terms of eternal life happening in the future, don't we? Isn't that the way we kind of think it? But Jesus Christ grants eternal life to us at the moment in time that we trust Jesus Christ. At the very moment we give our hearts and our lives to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ gives us life to the fullest. Abundant life, eternal life in the here and now. You can experience all of the fruits of that this morning in walking in right relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I pray today would be the day that you come to understand who Jesus Christ is and that you would hand over the reins of your life unto Him and that you would receive Him into your heart and life as the Lord who saves. As the Lord who saves. That you would come to know Him in that way. This morning as we begin, I have a question that I want you to consider today before we begin to read our text. What I want you to do for just a second, I want you to look up over the baptistry at the cross that is hanging there. One of the aspects of our worship center that I really like is that the fact when you walk into our worship center, in the very center of it is the cross or a replica of the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is the question that I want you to consider this morning. I want you to just stop for a few seconds, and I want you to focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. And this is the question I want you to think about. When you look at the cross that Jesus Christ hung and died on, what do you see? What do you see? Our fear 
in our modern day world that somehow we have lost sight of the awe and the significance of the cross of Jesus Christ. I mean, after all, we hang it on the walls of our home. We dangle it from the rearview mirror of our car. We gold-plate it and silver-plate it, and we wear it as jewelry. We even tattoo our bodies with it. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of that. Please don't leave here this morning and say, oh, our preacher, he's a killjoy. He says we ought not ever look at the cross or have any replica of it. It's not what I'm saying. I would tell you this morning, if you walk over into my office, you would see a cross that hangs on the wall. If you were to come to Robin in my home, you would find a picture of the cross. But I wonder if in modern day Christianity, if somehow the cross has become commonplace, that it's lost its sense of awe and wonder. Is that possible? Can I say to you this morning, that was never true of the New Testament writers. And that was never true of Jesus Christ. This morning I want you to hear what Jesus Christ had to say about the cross. If you have your Bibles this morning, chapter 12, we're going to begin reading in verse 27. We know that Jesus Christ is referring to his imminent death in this passage of Scripture. And the reason we know that is true is because Jesus Christ clearly announces to the crowd on this day that his hour has arrived. There is a major shift that has taken place in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Before, Jesus Christ told the crowd and the people that were closest to him, my hour has not yet come. Now, all of the sudden, it is the last week of Jesus' life, and he boldly announces to the crowd that has gathered around him on this day that his hour has arrived. And then Jesus Christ speaks these words looking to the cross. I want you to just hear them. He says, now is my soul troubled. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what it is that Jesus Christ is saying when he speaks those words. Jesus Christ was no coward. And Jesus Christ was not fearful of death. When he says to this crowd, my spirit, my soul is in turmoil, it wasn't referring necessarily to his physical death on the cross. That is not what Jesus Christ is speaking about. However, Jesus Christ does understand at the cross, God will fully punish sin in him. 
He who knew no sin would become sin for you and I. At that moment in time, the very wrath of God would be poured out on Jesus Christ on our behalf. In that troubled Jesus Christ's soul. He said, my spirit is in turmoil at the thought of being separated from my heavenly Father. Now I want you to think about that statement for a moment. I want you to think about the words of Jesus Christ where Jesus Christ says, my hour has come. I want you to know something. This is the very purpose that I have come for is to buy your redemption at the cross. That's what Jesus Christ is saying. I want you to hear the words of Jesus Christ in the entirety of this passage of Scripture. I want you to follow along with me this morning as I read beginning in verse 27. Jesus Christ says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Have you ever noticed how often Jesus Christ makes that statement in Scripture? Over and over again, Jesus Christ is saying to the Father, Father, my greatest desire of my heart is for you to be glorified in my life. Now listen to what Jesus Christ said, or listen to the response from the Father in heaven. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. God says to Jesus Christ, not for Jesus Christ's benefit, but for the crowd that is gathered around him, he very clearly says, in Jesus Christ, his name has been glorified. Through Jesus' incarnation, through the miracles that he had done here on earth, Jesus Christ, the Father, has been glorified through Jesus' actions. Now I want you to listen to something else that he says here. He says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Have you ever thought about this point, this truth, that the cross of Jesus Christ speaks about the glory of God? Have you ever thought about that? Everything that God does is for His honor and His glory. Even the cross of Jesus Christ, our very salvation speaks of the glory of God. When we look upon the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the place where He died, we should very clearly see the glory of God from the cross of Jesus Christ. Do you see it? I have glorified, or you have glorified me, and now you will glorify me again. Even our salvation points to the glory of God. I want you to listen to what else it is said here in this passage of Scripture. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered, Others said, an angel has spoke to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now I want you to hear what Jesus Christ is going to say about his death on the cross. Listen to what he says. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? 
Who is this, this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. This morning in the short time that we have together, I want to just share with you three truths that we learn from the words of Jesus Christ concerning his death on the cross. Three truths that this passage of Scripture makes very clear and evident to us. Truth number one, at the cross, the world stands condemned. At the cross, the world stands condemned. Did you hear what Jesus Christ said in verse 31? I want you to go back and look with me again at what it is that he says in his opening statement of verse 31. Listen to Jesus Christ. Now is the judgment of this world. In essence, what Jesus Christ was saying is at the cross, the world stands condemned. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by this. The words of Jesus Christ are very consistent with the rest of the teachings of the Bible. We live in a world that is filled with evil. Do you want an honest evaluation of how truly wicked mankind is? Do you really? If you want an honest evaluation of how wicked mankind truly is, look at the cross. The cross screams to us the wickedness of mankind. The wickedness of mankind is seen throughout the Word of God from Adam and Eve's fall in the garden till the final judgment of mankind in the book of Revelation. The cross dispels the notion that mankind is basically good and getting better all the time. Now, isn't that what the world wants us to think this morning? I mean, you listen to liberals on television today, and they want you to believe that the world that we live in, that mankind is basically getting better all the time, that mankind is not utterly evil, that mankind is not depraved in their inner nature. And I want you to just stop and think about that. We live in that world today where there is a world that is filled full of evil. Why else in the world do we have to have a security team here? at Crestwood Baptist Church. If the world is becoming such a better place to live, some kind of utopia, why do we lock our doors at night? I would be willing to say the vast majority of you, when you stepped out of your car this morning in the parking lot of this church house, you pushed the lock button on your car before you came in. And you know why? Because the world's a better place to live in today. Isn't that true? That's not true, is it? As we look at the world around us, it is very easy for us to take a step back and anyone with any sense of logic can draw the conclusion that the world that we live in is utterly evil. And at the center of people's hearts, 
is wickedness. That is the clear truth of God's Word from the beginning till the very end. I want you to listen to what Isaiah the prophet wrote, how he described mankind's condition. He says in Isaiah the 53rd chapter and verse 6, he says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone into his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that is Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. When we look at the cross, it reminds us that the world that we live in is a sorry lot. Now, I know some of you are probably saying to yourself this morning, Brother Jeff, I thought the cross displayed the depths of God's love. And I would say to you this morning, if you believe that, that is very correct. No doubt when we look at the cross, the cross displays the depths of God's love, mercy, and grace. I mean, just think about what Jesus Christ did for us at the cross. He purchased our redemption. We were utterly helpless. The cross screams God's love, mercy, and grace. And equally at the same time, the cross shows how utterly sinful and guilty mankind truly is. Listen, without a knowledge of our guilt and sin, we can never ever experience the depths of God's love, mercy, and grace. It is only as I see myself for who I truly am that I can receive the salvation that God offers us through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. The cross is both love and judgment at the same time. Jesus Himself said, Now is the judgment of the world. The world stands condemned at the cross. That is the truth. I mean... I know that's not a popular message. But those are the words of Jesus Christ. Those are not my words. Do you hear what Jesus said here? In the opening statement, he says, Now is the judgment of this world. Speaking of his death at the cross. I know the world we live in. They want to promote Jesus Christ as this gracious, loving, compassionate man who would never ever say anything negative against anyone. And there's no doubt that Jesus Christ is all of that. He is grace. He is mercy. He is loving. But it is only as we see ourselves for who we truly are that we can see a need for a Savior. This is the element of the gospel that we have removed in America today. Unless a person is confronted in their sinfulness, unless they can see themselves for who they really are, utterly wicked and depraved, there is no hope for them to trust in a Savior. Do you see what I'm saying? There is literally no hope unless we see ourselves for who we truly are. It is our sin that bore Jesus Christ to the cross. Do you see that? I know that's bad news, but don't worry. Just hang in there, please. Stay with me because new, good news is coming. All right? Good news is coming. 
Truth number two. At the cross, the enemy has been rendered powerless. <laughs> that ought to make a big hallelujah, amen, out of every believer in this place this morning. That the enemy has been rendered powerless at the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Go back to verse 1. Listen to what he says. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out, is what he said. The Word of God teaches us every person has turned away from God and are doing their own thing whether that be consciously or subconsciously, apart from Christ, every single person in this world is following hard after the ruler of this world, Satan. When Jesus Christ bore in His body our sin and guilt, He broke the power of the enemy and sin over our lives. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul said, how he summed it up in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. It says there, He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Now let me bring a little bit of clarity because this is kind of a hard passage to understand. Let me remove the pronouns and put the names of the person in it. God disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you read that verse of Scripture in the context of chapter 2, it is so easy to see that. It raises such a very important question this morning. The question it raises is this, how did Jesus Christ triumph over the enemy, Satan, the devil, the old dragon, the roaring lion. Those are the way the Bible refers to Satan as. How did he do it? This is how God triumphed over the authorities and the rulers of the dark world through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. When Christ burst forth from the grave and ascended to heaven and was seated at the right hand of the Father, the position of power, honor, and authority, He defeated the enemy once and for all. Jesus Christ dethroned the ruler of this world. Satan is a defeated foe. He has no power over us. When Jesus was lifted up, Satan was thrown down. Now that's something to celebrate this morning, folks. I'll tell you that right now. That is something to celebrate as God's people. We no longer live under the power of sin. We no longer live under the power of the enemy. This is the very reason the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, Know in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are more than victors because the one we serve has defeated the enemy. He has rendered him powerless in the life of the believer. This is the reason we are told over and over again throughout the Word of God, don't fear. We are told he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Satan has no power over the believer except that which the believer allows him to have. 
That's all the power He has over us. He is a defeated foe. The cross makes that very clear. Jesus Christ very clearly said in this passage of Scripture, now will the ruler of this world be cast out. At the cross, the enemy has been rendered powerless. Here is the great news. All right? If you get nothing else out of this message this morning, don't miss this. All right? Listen to it carefully. At the cross, salvation is offered to everyone. At the cross, salvation is offered to everyone. Listen to what Jesus Christ says here in verse 32. And when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now when I hear those words, it's a little bit confusing to me. I don't know if it's confusing to you or not. But when Jesus Christ makes this statement, when I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself, it seems to very clearly contradict what Jesus Christ has said in the first 12 chapters of this book. You remember what Jesus Christ has said? Not all will be saved. Not everyone will inherit the kingdom of heaven. But then Jesus Christ comes here in this passage of Scripture and He says, If I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Is Jesus Christ teaching universalism here in this passage of Scripture? Is Jesus Christ saying, at the end, don't worry about it, all will be saved? Is that what Jesus is teaching? I would say, no, that's not what Jesus is teaching. And the reason that's not what Jesus is teaching, it completely contradicts everything else that Jesus has said. So what does Jesus mean when he says, if I be lifted up, all people will be drawn to myself. What does he mean? Well, I would tell you this is not what he means. He doesn't mean all people will be saved without exception. But he does mean all people will be saved without distinction. What he is saying is the gospel is for Jew and Gentile alike. Anyone can come to the cross is what Jesus Christ is saying. I don't know all that you have done in your life, but I will tell you right now, you think of your greatest sin that you've ever committed, all of the wrong that you've ever done against God Himself, and I will tell you, it is not so great that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot wash it away. That is the truth of the message of the gospel. The gospel is an all-inclusive message in the sense it is for anyone and everyone who will come to the cross and believe in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, is what he said. You see that? What a great passage of Scripture. I mean, a powerful passage of Scripture when we think about what it is that Jesus Christ says. The gospel message is an all-inclusive message for anyone who is willing to look to Jesus Christ for their eternity. 
As a matter of fact, that's exactly what Jesus Christ says at the end of this passage of Scripture. Look with me at what he says here in verse 36, 35. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. We have this unique contrast in the Gospel of John. It is this contrast between darkness and light. You know, that's appeared a number of times. Darkness always refers to that which is evil, wicked. It refers to the enemy himself. Whereas the light always refers to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself announced to his followers, I am the light of the world. Then he goes on to qualify for us how to have a relationship with him. Did you see that? He says here, no, no, what, what? it's not salvation for everyone. It's for those who believe in the light. Did you see that? You see, the teaching in our world today is all roads lead to heaven. That if you're a good person, somehow, if you do enough good things and balance the scales of life out, when you get to the end of life, if you've done more good than bad, everything's going to work out. You know, there's only one problem with that. You know what the problem is? The problem is the cross. Did you see it? The problem is the cross. I mean, think about it. If we could just do a few good things and become more religious and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, why in the world would God ever sacrifice His Son, Jesus Christ? Wouldn't He just tell us, hey guys, what you just need to do is work on being really, really good in life. You do more good than bad, and then hey, at the end, everything's going to be great for you. Do you see the foolishness of that argument? Can't you see it? That's so crazy, isn't it? But can I say, there are a lot of people who believe that in the world we live in today. Can I also say this? I'm just going to jump out on a limb. There's people in this church who believe that. Right here, sitting here this morning, that believe that. They have a pluralistic understanding of who God is. All roads lead to heaven. That so contradicts the message of the gospel. The message of the cross. Do you see? Have we lost somehow the wonder of the cross? The significance of it? Has it just become so commonplace where we now believe a person can simply be good and make it to heaven. Jesus Christ very clearly said in this passage of Scripture, at the cross, salvation is for everyone. Let me ask you an important question this morning. The most important question you will ever ask 
of yourself and answer. Please, please, please get the answer right. Are you a son or daughter of the light? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? At the cross, there is a gospel message to be found that is for all people. And let me say, that includes you. Father God, we thank you for the truth of your word and the way it speaks into our hearts and our lives this morning. Oh, Father God, I'm so very grateful for the message of the cross. Lord, my prayer is this morning as we come to this time of invitation, Lord, that each one of us would examine our hearts, our lives, to see where we are in relationship with you. Father, the bottom line is this. Do we know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior? Have we come to the cross and very clearly heard its message? Father, you work in our lives in your perfect way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. We're going to have an opportunity to respond to the Lord in whatever way we need to respond today. Perhaps you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I would love to take the opportunity to share with you how you can enter into a relationship with Him. That's the most important decision you will ever make in life. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm going to invite you to come today. If you're here and you know Jesus Christ, maybe for us it's an opportunity to stop and just remind ourselves of the cross.